the 11 Dubcast is back, everybody, and uh, we've got uh, almost Christmas time. Yay! I, I am Michael Citroen. I'm Johnny Ginner. And, you know, Johnny, it's it's that time of year where we start to pay a little more attention. I mean, a lot of us pay attention right off the bat, but we start to pay a little bit more attention to that basketball team from Ohio yeah. State. Yeah. Unfortunately, that's... Yeah, sure. <laughs> Why not? Unfortunately, this is not the year that we're going. That's going to make us very happy. In fact, the between the basketball team and the hockey team, this is going to be a very rough winter. I think for yeah. me. And honestly, uh, you know, like, and, and speaking of hockey, real quick, like I always root for the hockey team. I always want them to be good because I love watching hockey. And when I was in college, I watched them a lot. Like I went to several hockey games every year because I really, really enjoy it. And it kind of sucks that they're mm-hmm. not good because I want hockey to take a foothold in Ohio because I think this is a state that is ripe for that sport, but I just, between the Blue Jackets being garbage, despite Brandon Saad and, and Ohio State Hockey not doing great, um, yeah, I don't know. I think they need to, we need to, we need to devote more time to that sport. If we- yeah, more money, more time, more everything. I want to beat that team up north in every sport imaginable, especially hockey. Yes, agreed. Which is a near and dear sport to my heart. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the Hoops team. They... They uh they got uh well they got stomped by UConn Johnny um yeah there's no other way to put it they got their rear ends kicked pretty good and I get I can't really say that I'm surprised by that it's a young team being on the road first real road test and you know the only thing I could take away from it is that the Kentucky game is going to be pretty ugly <laughs> I actually really am looking forward more to the Kentucky game now because of the UConn loss because I just want to see how like bad it actually gets. Um, mm. I don't know. Maybe I'm stupid. Maybe I'm I'm a masochist. But I think it's going to be kind of crazy to watch this happen. I mean, I you know I talk about this a lot. Like I like seeing the evolution of a team. I don't know. Sometimes you just want to see a team hit rock bottom so they can work mm. their way up, and that kind of feels like what we're going towards right now. I mean, you've got you know Mark Loving is is basically it. Uh, he's the it guy, I guess, and he's I think averaging something like 16 points a game. Uh, but he's not, like, wowing anybody. I don't think anybody's going, like, wow, this, this guy's going to carry Ohio State. Yeah. Uh, and there's some other guys who have been playing fairly well, but it just it isn't they, – they are definitely not cohesive in any sense of the word, and that's really one of the biggest issues right now for the basketball team. Like, it's just do whatever, right? And, and yeah. that's mm-hmm. – part of that you feel has to be coaching. Part of it is just the youth of the team. I mean, it's one of the youngest teams in the country. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean – I think you also have to pin some of it on recruiting and the players that you've picked because, you know, again, it's it's maybe not the norm to have freshmen come in and, and step up right away and be amazing, but you would also hope that maybe over the last couple of years you would have had some guys who would have been leaders who would have stepped up and kind of created some consistency on the team because it really doesn't feel like there's been any. I mean, the past two or three years, it's it, they have been wanting for – leadership and that's a problem that's a big problem on a team uh with especially a very young team like this oh yeah yeah it's not it's it's you know most years you're really looking for that that leader type and you know you hopefully will have a couple of guys that have been around a few years and Ohio State doesn't really have a a good selection of leader opportunities this year but right and and let's be honest the, the team has been in on some really highly rated recruits and missed and not been able to land a few of those and had to fall back on some other guys. And this isn't necessarily a bad couple of recruiting classes, but maybe not what they once could have been. And, of course, uh, the Mickey Mitchell situation didn't really help with him 
getting injured and then on top of the injury coming back from that, uh, not being eligible. Right. So that's, that's kind of held the team back, I think, a little bit as well. And, you know, this is not abnormal for Ohio State basketball to have, a, a, you know, a down year. I mean, it, it used to be a pretty mediocre program. And it wasn't really all that long ago that it was a pretty mediocre program, but I think a lot of people forget about that because Thad Mott has been so successful uh, since he's been at Ohio State. So yeah. I, I think that if you're if you're asking for Thad's head this year, I think you need to step back from the ledge <laughs> yeah. and, you know, maybe just realize that this is who Ohio State this is this is what Ohio State basketball is or or at least was in the you know, in pretty average year and now you know, it only happens every once in a while. So I think that's right. a, a definite step in, in the right direction. Well, and, and it's think... also, don't, I mean, don't get too big for your bridges. You know what I mean? Like, that Mata's is a great coach, but this isn't Kansas. We are not a program with the kind of history of a North Carolina or Kentucky in terms of basketball. And you don't want to be a Nebraska, right, where you're firing a coach because you think you're all that and you deserve better when the coach that you already have is pretty damn good to begin with. Mm-hmm. And your return <laughs> You know what you're going to get in return for that is is nil. I mean, and and really that's I want Thad Mata to coach Ohio State for as long as he is physically able to do so. And me too. Like I love the guy. I think he's hilarious. I think he is just a really personable, honest, good guy. And you don't see a lot of those who are actually good coaches in college basketball all that often. So. I think, yeah, I agree. I think it'd be really stupid to call for this dude's head. I also think it'd be really stupid to call for this dude's head next year, should this happen again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, and it might be a couple years before yeah, the, and it might. turns around. Exactly, exactly. So, you know, look, especially in a Big Ten that, again, isn't quite loaded, but has definitely the top, like, four or five teams are just ridiculous. You know, you've got to take your lumps sometimes, and... College basketball is not like college football. I mean, you can't really monopolize recruits and states and things like that. Maybe the way some other you know teams can in bas or in football. So again, it's it's understanding expectations, managing those expectations, and at least trying to enjoy it. And the the fact that it's a good game, it's fun to watch. You know, basketball is cool, and, and maybe not hope for that. Like I'm going to get that Sweet 16 every year. Like probably not. Probably not. Yeah, it's not the Big Ten. There are very few teams that don't have down years. I right. mean, you you look at Tom Izzo. Maybe he doesn't have too many of those. He's a but... witch. Like he's a freaking witch. Like no, I'm serious. <laughs> yeah. He's one of the top two coaches in the country. And and if unless you have that, then that's what you you know. Then you're just gonna have to deal and take your lumps from time to time. I mean, yeah. look, I love that mod. He's not he's not Tom Izzo. Tom Izzo is a freaking witch, and that's fine. Like you just have to accept that he's that good. I mean, it's it's the difference between an Urban Meyer. And maybe a Bo Pelini, and, and that's and that's what you have to kind of deal with sometimes. Yeah, I mean, and you look around and you see some of the teams that are on the upswing, and some of the teams that are now in the middle. I mean, Bo Ryan and John Beeline, I think, are very fine coaches, right. but they're going to probably end up in the middle of the conference this year. Yeah, and and Michigan you know, the Final Four a couple years ago. I mean, and that's and that's exactly yeah. the point, right? Like, and now you've got Purdue that's rising toward the top right. of the conference, right? Well, who looked so, like garbage a couple years ago? Right, they were terrible. Yeah. And uh, and they actually had some really you know good players that went and played in the NBA and they still were terrible and now right you know maybe less celebrated players but they're doing better as a team so right um, you know be patient guys it's going to be a long season but let's watch these guys develop and let's enjoy them for what they do and I'm sure they're going to probably win a couple of games uh, that they probably shouldn't win so 
uh, let's just watch for those, and hopefully they'll they'll be against teams that we really don't like. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think that about <laughs> sums it up. I think it's pretty accurate. So, Johnny, you know, when the football team isn't actually playing games every week, yes, bad bad things sometimes happen. Yes. And a bad thing happened to well it was self inflicted, but yeah. uh, from Adolphus Washington. Yeah. Uh, Senior, so, senior Adolphus Washington. It was one, you know, one more official game to play in before yeah. he goes and makes millions of dollars in the NFL. Yep. An Ohio State football player decides that he decides to pay for a prostitute. So that's that's good. That's good. That's not good. I mean, it's sarcasm, but oh, it, it's kind of yeah. it's kind of like baffling. Like I don't. You would think that isn't something that uh, you know he, he would really want to do or, or feel compelled to do, but. It, you know, it just shades of Antonio Hinton, you know, our our famous backup to the backup to the backup quarterback who got busted for the same thing. But, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I, it, it's baffling because the dude, again, he's a senior. He has a very prominent position on the team. He has, an, he has had an excellent year. And mm-hmm. to screw it up with something like that, to be, you know, not now he can't play in the bowl game. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. It, it is. And it's it's stupid. Yeah. Um, it, it is stupid, and it cost him probably cost him a few spots in the draft. Probably yeah. cost him some, you know, some cash. Um, there'll be a lot of questions at the combine about his uh, personal life now that he wouldn't have had to answer before. And you know, there's it, it's unfortunate. Kid made a mistake, and and a lot of these kids, you know, you just it's baffling that they make these kinds of of choices because we talked about this when JT Barrett got in trouble. Right. It's like who wouldn't give JT Barrett a ride? Well. Um, who wouldn't give Adolphus Washington a ride, right. metaphorically speaking? Um, I'm, I'm not trying to belittle this or anything, or make it like tawdry, but sure. let's face it, Adolphus should not be hurting for companionship. Right. Well, and, and just overall, I mean, one of the things that I think that I think about a lot when this type of stuff happens is the consequences of their actions are so much more inflated than the consequences of other people's actions and for doing the right. same thing. And not because necessarily they are, should be held to a higher standard, right? Like, I'm not saying right. that Adolphus Washington is some, like, horrible, awful person or whatever. I mean, it, it's stupid and it's pretty skeezy. I'm not saying it's not that either, because it is. Um, and you're definitely like engaging in something you know illegal and, and for the most part wrong in a lot of ways, but the consequences are so much greater. Like if if I get a you know if I go out as a college student and I get a uh, citation for uh, you know driving under the influence or whatever or driving while intoxicated, that sucks for me. But I'm not probably going to lose you know something that could give me millions of dollars in the future. Okay, if I get arrested mm-hmm. for soliciting. That's incredibly embarrassing and bad for me, but I'm probably not going to lose a shot of possibly multiple millions of dollars in like draft positioning. So I think mm-hmm. part of the frustration that comes out of this when, when fans see this happen to players or that players do these types of things is like, look, man, if we had positions traded, I would do nothing. I would sit in my house all day. I would keep myself on lockdown to avoid any and all problems that would prevent me right. from getting that money. But I think sometimes for guys like Adolphus Washington – maybe they've been told that they're going to get that so often and so frequently. Like, hey, man, like you're doing great. You, you got that money. It's already in the bank. Maybe they don't even think about it that way. Maybe that they're already at the point where they think it's basically in their pocket already and they don't worry about it so much. 
Yeah, you can't really get inside their head to figure out why they made those choices. Yeah, I mean, it's it's, yeah, it is dangerous playing armchair psychologists. I don't want to necessarily, but and 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 it's very easy to say, you know, if I were in that position, I would do this. I would I would sit and play, you know, PlayStation all day, and then go to practice (laughs) and go to class, and I would keep my nose clean. You don't know that, right? Because you don't know. First of all. Nobody lives in a vacuum. Everybody's got influences in their life. Some of them are good influences, and some of them are not good influences. And you don't, it, you know, it's so easy to say, "Well, I wouldn't listen to the bad influences." But you know what? You're if if you're with them your whole life, you don't know them that you're a, that they're a bad influence, or if, you know that the pressures that you feel to do certain things, you're not feeling them. You know, Joe Smith, you know, chemistry major. You know, <laughs> right, he, exactly, right. But well, Adolphus Washington not. may be feeling, yeah, he may be feeling those pressures, and it may cause you to react in ways that other people wouldn't. So it's, I, I can never throw stones, you know, in the glass house when when it comes to these athletes doing these things. You could just, you just shake your head and you go, well, that's a shame, and I hope that the kid learns from it and and grows from this experience. Right. I mean, it is. I mean, that's what I'm saying. Like, I think a lot of people basically say that you know, if I were in position, I would do X, Y, and Z. But I completely understand what you're saying. I mean, you're totally right. It, you never know what you would do because you're not in that position. And that right. that goes for basically any anything in life, right? Like, it's very easy to judge. It's very mm-hmm. easy to look at other people and, you know, wag your finger. I'm like, oh, I don't think so. But you don't have that life experience. And, right. again, I, you know, sometimes a bad decision is just a bad decision. There's no maybe, like, background thing. Maybe you just did something stupid. But right. on the other hand, like, I don't know – necessarily how Adolphus Washington grew up. I don't know necessarily his background and, and I don't know if like, you know, that that's something that maybe like if people experience similar backgrounds that it might be a different decision for them. So I, you know, it, it's like I said, it's really easy to point fingers and, and, and say, now you're bad. And, but that's, I don't know if that's productive and you got to punish a guy. I mean, you screw up, you got to be punished, but on the other yeah. hand, you know, it does nobody any good just to try to act morally superior when you don't really have much of a background for it. I will say that I think there's a limit to that. Um, there are some things where I, I don't think that, you know, the environment you raise, your influence is really an excuse for certain behaviors. But I also am not going to be so quick to condemn somebody when I'm a 30-year-old man who has a lot of life to live, hopefully, and could still make a lot of mistakes. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just right. it's one of those judge less not ye be judge, you know. So, right, there are degrees to this. I mean, it's there are there are choices you make that are bad choices, and then there are things that are are beyond that. Like, sure. uh, you know, like Jeremy Hill, uh, you know, blindsiding a guy in a bar, or right. uh, you know, assaulting a woman and that kind of thing. I mean, there are things that you know there are zero tolerance for certain things, right. but other things you go. Man, I just gotta scratch my head and go. Well, I don't know what you're thinking, but that was a bad choice. Right. Um, so I don't think Adolphus Washington is a bad person because he, you know, got caught doing something he shouldn't have been doing. Um, this was a particular thing that he shouldn't have been doing and he got caught doing it. And, and, you know, like I said, you just hope he learns from it and and doesn't do it again and grows a little bit. And, and then, you know, you're just glad that it wasn't something truly, you know, terrible or tragic. Right. Exactly. Nobody got hurt. It was just stupid. Yeah. So Johnny, um, you and I are going to take a week off for the holidays next week. Yeah, we are. Yay. So, um, but that'll give people an extra week to ask us anything. Right. Yes. So if you have any like holiday related questions, especially like maybe what you should be doing for New Year's or any ideas like that, please yeah. send those to us. Yeah. So we'll be back the week 
between Christmas and New Year's to preview the Fiesta Bowl. We're going to have a big Fiesta Bowl preview extravaganza dubcast that week. And um, that would bring us now, Johnny, to our favorite part of the show, which is Ask Us Anything. Yeah, Ask Us Anything. You can ask us anything by asking us anything. You can send us an email <laughs> to dubcast at 11warriors.com. Uh, if you've mastered the art of asking questions, you can also send us a Twitter uh, tweet, a tweet on Twitter, to at mm-hmm. uh, eleven dubcast and just spell it out. So we have yes. a couple of questions on ye old emails, internet email. Oh, old people get off their lawn. Yeah. They're emailing still. Yep. Uh, Asian chipmunk <laughs> Alvin, our good friend Alvin says, uh, when I was young, my brother and I did the Santa thing for the sake of our younger sister. Long story mm-hmm. short, we kept uh, playing along with a, in, with a Santa gig just to get more presents, but it finally died when my sister turned seven. I don't have kids myself, very far from it, actually. But what is the appropriate age to stop the whole Santa thing, and how would slash should you go about it? Uh, first of all, I want to know what that means, that he's very far from having kids. <laughs> yeah, I don't, okay, I don't know. Maybe he's um, kid, maybe he's like six or something. <laughs> And the second thing I want to know is, what do you mean, uh, the whole Santa gig? What do you mean by that? I don't know. But you know what? So I was reading this, and I thought about it, because um, we have a tradition in my family where children uh, get a phone call from Santa every night, and like on Christmas Eve. Every Christmas Eve, children get a phone call from Santa, and when myself and my sister were little kids, we would get, like, Santa would call us up. And ask us if we'd been good. And we say, yes, we've been good. And then we tell them what do we want. And, you know, once you get old enough, you find out that it's one of your uncles doing it. And I did it for my little cousins until they reached about, like, six, like, five or six. And like, we stopped because they figured it out. Um, but maybe that's what it means. Maybe he's, like, dressing up. Maybe he's, like, pretending to be Santa or something. Or maybe he's just, oh. I don't know, just going along with it for the, the presents. But Maybe. I don't know. I, I have... Uh... I have every faith that, that, that Santa Claus will continue to bring my child gifts, and uh, she has that uh, that expectation again. And, <laughs> so and, so uh, when do you cut that off? Because you have an older daughter, right? So, like, when did you, yeah. when did you like, I, stop, like, stop the whole Santa gig? And how? I don't, I don't understand the question, Johnny. <laughs> when did Santa... I mean, when, I, when did Santa stop coming to my house? Yes, when was Santa revealed what? as you? Let's, let's not be coy... Michael. Well, I'm not. I'm not Santa Claus. Yeah, I know you're not I'm Santa not. Claus. And and Santa Claus has never stopped coming to our house. Okay. That's that's good to hear. Um, yeah. So I, I I have to recuse myself from this question okay. because I, I I'm at a loss as to what you guys are even talking Great. about. Great. Well, to answer my to answer your actual question, I would say just let some snot nosed kid at school take care of it, and then whatever, you'll be fine. And then they'll be upset you. <laughs> Yeah, same same as uh, same as sex ed. Yeah, yes, exactly. exactly. They learn from their same friends. Yep. <laughs> um, okay, we have another question here. Uh, Good. This is um, do, do, do. Let me make sure I have this correctly. I feel like I might have pulled up the wrong thing. Sorry, looking at my phone. Okay, this is from uh, this is from John. Uh, John has a couple of questions here. Actually. He has four questions. One's about Finkus, so we're gonna we're gonna save the one for Finkus until uh, next time we talk to him. Uh, yeah. He does have one for basketball, though. How much better would this team be with D'Angelo Russell? Uh, a lot, a lot. Yeah, uh, much I don't better. know that he could have made a difference in the UConn game, but he surely would have had in the others. How much better do you think? Do you okay? So do you think that this team would be better 
than last year with D'Angelo or worse than last year with D'Angelo? Uh, well, here's remember, what Amir Williams think, is still on the team. I think this year's team is going to be somewhere between 8 and 10 in the Big Ten. Yes, okay. Uh, is my thought. No, with, I, I, with, with D'Angelo Russell, I think they could have climbed to as high as maybe sixth or battling for fifth in the Big Ten. Okay. I agree with I that. think a, sec- a second year in college basketball is huge. Once you've been through the wars once, I, I think he would have been by far the best player in the Big Ten yes. this year. And, you know, in college in the college game, if you have one absolutely stellar player, you can you can actually do a lot of things, uh, you know, and, and go places. But I also think that that would have helped Mark Loving tremendously, because if he's not the focal point, I think he's a great complimentary player. I just don't think he's that leader guy who's going to carry no. the team. Uh, I think he could be, you know, he could develop in one of those great secondary players that, that we've had through the years. But, um, you know, alas, D'Angelo Russell went to uh, L.A. and he's making tons and tons of money and uh, watching Kobe Bryant take a lot of bad shots um, while he sits on the bench. And, <laughs> And, it's, and laughs I mean, it's and led already to a bunch of like really great gifts, though, right? Like, yeah. where he just like he watched Kobe just puts up a complete like just trash garbage shot, and he just kind of buries his head, you know, you know, head in his face or his uh, head in his hands. And he's like, "This is this is not the Kobe I signed up for." Um, loading, loading, loading. Yeah, for for D'Angelo <laughs> Russell, he'll be all right in a couple of years. Um, I feel so sorry for him and his millions. Yeah, right. Uh, I will say. I don't know. I think I agree. I think they'll probably be. I would. They would be a middling Big Ten team with D'Angelo. The rest of the team is just not that great. Mark Loving is good, but the other guys just really don't know what they're doing right now, and it's going to take them a while. So we'll see. Uh, okay, movies is another topic that John wants us to hit on. Uh, cool. I will ask again, and, and we talked about this a little bit last week. Are Die Hard and Lethal Weapon Christmas movies? Um. I think Die Hard's a Christmas movie for me. I, I don't recall a close Christmas connection with Lethal Weapon. It's been many years since yeah, I've seen it. Yeah, I don't it. watch Lethal Weapon that often. Um, but So I would say Die Hard, yes, and Lethal Weapon, no. For the only uh, the only reason I say that it's arbitrarily, I connect one with Christmas and I don't connect the other one with Christmas. Yeah, the I you know, I was a little skeptical on the whole Die Hard Christmas thing, but, you know... Going back, kind of reviewing my notes, uh, you know, running it through the highly scientific analysis that I do uh, after every Ask Us Anything, um, I will say that's a Christmas movie. I, I, you know, I, you know, they, they're playing Christmas in Hollis in the, you know, in the beginning of the movie, and obviously there's a Christmas party, and ho ho ho! Now I have a machine gun. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that's a Christmas movie. I'm, I'm cool with that. All right. And finally, last one here uh, that he asked us: food, which is eggnog, yay or nay? Spiked with whiskey, rum, or not at all? I have. I would say I've never developed a taste for eggnog, so I'm not an eggnog guy. What about you, John? I'm, I'm very anti-eggnog. I'm lactose intolerant, and that would kill me. I, I don't want eggnog <laughs> anywhere near me. I'll die. So I, I just say, you know, there's a lot of uh, really tremendous winter beers that I would rather drink at this time of year. Yeah, there are. There's a lot of really good ones, and... Hofbrau House does a lot of, you know, does a good winter uh, winter ale. I like them. Um, yeah, I avoid eggnog if at all possible. So because I don't want to spend Christmas on the toilet again, like I did last year. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, nobody wants to that spend any any day on like the toilet, but especially days. Christmas. Just 
Uh, I'm sorry to hear that, Johnny. Uh, is that all our email questions? That is all of our email questions. All right, we do have some Twitter, a Twitter question right, or two here. Let me see what we have here. Uh, we have one from Eric Enriquez who wants to know, uh, with the hiring of Shiano, yeah. do you think that makes our defense even more dangerous I next forgot. year, Johnny? We, we need to talk about Shiano. I'm glad, I'm glad that was brought up. Um, yeah, we probably should, should probably address that. I may be the only person in the universe who thinks Greg Shiano is a nutcase and who is not going to be a good fit at Ohio State. I know that Urban and him are close, and I know that he's an excellent defensive coach. I mean, especially at Miami. Like, I'm not denying any of that. I, I know his history. It's not that I'm ignorant of that. I just think the dude has a massive ego, and I do not think that he's going to mesh well with the staff. I think he is going to totally come in here thinking – and again, this is because I think he's an egomaniac, which, again, a lot of coaches are, but I think he takes it to a whole other level. But I think Shiano is going to come in thinking he's going to be the assistant head coach. And that, to me, is going to cause a lot of friction on a staff where, A, his co-defensive coordinator has been a head coach before. B, Urban Meyer does not brook that kind of, like, dis- dissent and, and, you know, I think attention-grabbing from himself. And C, with a lot of, like, really type A personalities, I just think he's not – I just – you know, with what, next year being a rebuilding year, I really thought that Fickle probably deserved a shot to just be the guy. And and granted, it may not have worked out, but I just think Shiano is – he's angling for another head coaching job. He's not going to be here very long. I'm not high on it. And, and I, I will probably look stupid, and I'll be happy to look stupid in saying this, but I'm just, I don't think it's going to work out super well. I don't like the co-coordinator position. I just don't think it works out very well. Here's my thought on this, um, Eric. I think that um, will it make our defense even more dangerous next year. Not as dangerous as it was this year because of the turnover, uh, the yeah. turnover of the player, players. Um, I do, I, unlike Johnny, I'm pretty excited about this hire. Um, I think that it's a good hire because I think the guy can coach. And I think that anybody that Urban Meyer brings in, they're going to have a long discussion before they get hired about what exactly their duties are going to be mm-hmm. and what is going to be expected of them. And I would expect that, like a lot of jobs nowadays, it used to just talk to the boss and then you get hired or you don't get hired. Nowadays, when you interview for a job, you interview with like everybody on the staff, it seems like. right. And I think that there was probably a very clear delineation of what Fickle will do and what Shiano will do before that even, even, you know, came up. And I think Fickle's a pretty laid back guy. And I think he's the kind of guy who won't mind if the other guy is kind of a maniac and is kind of more out in the forefront and more in your face. So, you know, I don't have a problem that, you know, his title's associate head coach and co-defensive coordinator. And I think it'll be just like Chris Ash in terms of, you're going to handle the safeties. You're going to handle these duties on game day and that kind of thing. And then Fickle's going to do this. And I, you know, and there's, I think it's going to be a good fit. And, you know, who knows? He might have told him right up front. I want, if you come here, I want you for two years. Cause it's basically what he tells all his assistants. Right. It seems like it's like, I don't mind if you go for a head coach job. I want you to go on and get a head coaching job, but give me two years. And if Shiano's cool with that. And uh, if he coaches guys up the way he did at Rutgers, because a lot of people forget that, that dumpster fire in Piscataway was a pretty respectable uh, program under him, um, then I think he'll be fine. So I, I, I like the hire. I'm optimistic. And, um, you know, who knows? This might be a way, uh, and, and I'm not going to presume to get into the politics of the staff, but if 
if there's a chance that Urban might want Luke Fickle to start looking for other jobs, bringing in somebody this high profile would be a way to sort of send that message, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, I get that. And, and the one thing that I would say in response to that, though, would be at some point Urban Meyer is going to have to start finding dudes who will stay. <laughs> like, <laughs> no, seriously, though. I mean, if you want to have long-term success, I mean, granted, Urban Meyer is a genius, and he can make up those gaps in transitional stuff, but you've got to find dudes who are willing to stay longer than just two years. Uh, like, I just – I understand – the commitment part, and you want the hot coach. I mean, I'm not going to say, like, turn down the Tom Herman if he becomes available, right? Like, obviously, that's what you go for if you can get it. But by that same token, I mean, you've got to be able to develop some consistency. I mean, if you're a quarterback, right, and you start as a, a freshman or a redshirt freshman, you shouldn't have, like, two or three quarterback coaches in your college career. That's insane. Mm-hmm. That's not good for development. That hurts over the long term. And, I mean, you look at, like, I mean, granted, you know, now is not the best year to <laughs> to elaborate on this, but you look at a guy like Nick Saban, who was Kirby Smart for so long, and the defenses they were able to develop, and, you know, Bud Foster at Virginia Tech. Like, that's you need at least one guy like that to be consistent, and in a, in a prominent position, in my opinion. So, mm. I don't know. I, I You know, I want to see that at Ohio State. I think it worked out really well with Jim Haycock, who I loved. I thought was a brilliant coach, um, but yeah, I don't know, man. I, I'm I'm wary about this, and and I hope I'm wrong. But I just I think you rotate these guys so much that you're going to start losing the players at a certain point. And that's not good. So what you're saying is you don't want Tim Beck to leave? <laughs> yeah, I want him. To- <laughs> All right, uh, thanks so much for your questions, guys. Uh, ask us anything is always a pleasure, and the, the fact that you guys ask those questions makes it so. So keep getting those questions in on Twitter and via email. Get us extra questions because, uh, you know, we have our festival extravaganza two weeks from today. Okay, so joining us uh, this week on the 11 Dubcast, we're very happy to have back Matt Norlander, CBSSports.com college hoops writer. Uh, Matt, how you doing tonight? Doing pretty well, and uh, it's it's great to be back on. You know, I always enjoy coming on the podcast for anyone that you know wants to have me on. It's an honor to uh, to do it because way back when, well before my CBS days, I ran College Hoops Journal and right. had the College Hoops Journal podcast and had to ask many a writer if they would give me uh, their gracious time, and many did, so I'm always glad to, uh, to pay back that debt. Well, Matt, uh, we're, we're glad to have you back. We, we know that you know your stuff because, I mean, here's a guy who had on uh, college hoops when his uh, son was born. Um, I saw the picture on your, <laughs> your Twitter feed. Yeah, that was, and... technically, that was technically the day after he was born, but, yes, uh, we were in the hospital. I'm a, I'm a father to a... A 29-day-old boy as of this as of this podcast recording, and it's awesome. Thank you, man. It's my first. He's a he's a cool little dude, but I tell you, he is hungry all the time. And <laughs> uh, my wife is amazing, just because now we're in we're in basketball season, and and as we record this podcast, you know, I'm I'm on duty to watch some stuff tonight here, and there is a child to take care of, and she has been terrific. I have to I actually have not gone to this is the longest I've gone into a season. Since before CBS, I haven't gone to a game yet this season, and that hasn't happened 
since like 2007, maybe 2008. So I'm going to the CBS Sports Classic on Saturday, which is a perfect way of segueing into what I know we will end up talking about. But uh, I'm, I'm so thrilled that I get to finally get to go to some games in person because um, I've been definitely champing at the bit. Uh, it's unfortunate that both matchups aren't, you know, as totally enticing as they could be. So Ohio right. State is in an odd, odd down year. Yeah. Uh, so with that said, I would I'd like to actually get your thoughts on that. I know you you keep uh, your finger on the pulse of college basketball, and um, I would have to say Thad Mata's streak of of twenty win seasons is in serious jeopardy this year. What is your take on the Buckeyes, and where do you think their sort of their floor and their ceiling is this year? Yeah, this is a bizarre one, and when they had lost to Louisiana Tech at home. And La Tech has been a really solid program over the past half decade because current Florida coach Mike White was the one that built that program. They actually never made the tournament under Mike White, but they were always really good. And then they just bowed out in CUSA. So that loss on its surface looks like, okay, you know, you never want to see Ohio State lose at home. And they and they almost never lose at home to non-conference opponents. And I think that loss signified the first time OSU had lost back-to-back home games to non-conference teams since I think it was 63, which is amazing. Wow. <laughs> that's okay, That's crazy. incredible. Um, but the point is, Louisiana Tech isn't quite as good this year as it's even been. The floor for Iowa State, I mean, listen, I, here's, what, here's where I come from it, broadly speaking. Last year, I didn't write about OSU a ton, but I did here and there. I was obsessed with D'Angelo Russell. And I said last year, if Russell wasn't on the team, Ohio State would not even sniff the tournament. That was my opinion from the get-go. I thought he was that good and that valuable. And having spoken to the staff leading up to the season last year, I really got the sense that Russell, even before the season started, no one could have thought he was going to be that dazzling and that good and that valuable. But there was definitely a sense that Russell is going to mean more to us than really anyone might might realize, and that totally ended up being true. So I'm not totally shocked that OSU is slumped like this. It is bizarre. It's abnormal because I think Thad Mata is a top 20 coach in college basketball, without a doubt. Terrific coach. You mentioned the 20-win streak. I think that is going to come to an end. At their worst, I think this could be a season where Ohio State wins you know, 13 games. I mean, I think it could still still go south here just because when you look at the top of the Big Ten and all those road games they've got to face, it's not tremendously optimistic. I, I don't see how they even keep it close against Kentucky whatsoever. I would trust me, I'd love to I'd love to go and write about a CBS sponsored event um, for Ohio State to be able to keep it close and maybe, you know, just give me some really interesting copy. But the matchup is just, it's just terrible. I mean, and, you know, Kentucky will probably try and really, really push it there. OSU has no interest in moving the ball up and down the floor whatsoever this season. And I can't necessarily blame them because Lyle has been good. And I don't know if we want to get into any specific players or not, but Lyle's been, he, he's been about as good as you could ask him to be considering the situation he's come into. Uh, on the reverse side, what's the best case scenario? I mean, it is sad, and I won't ever, you know, bury their chances. Best case scenario, in my opinion, is a first four. You rally, you get a few wins that maybe you didn't think you should have, and you dodge all the bad losses. You do well in the Big Ten tournament, and you hope it's a weak year on the bubble, and you just squeak in and get to Dayton 
And then once you get to Dayton, you know, that's kind of, you know, it's, it's, it's one and done and you can get, win a game there and then you get into the tournament proper and you take it mm-hmm. from there. I think that is the best case scenario. I'm, I'm just not seeing any way to, to give Ohio State fans that this is going to be a, a situation where they can turn it around. I mean, the UConn game, I didn't think they'd win it. And UConn, by the way, who is good and has talent, I think UConn will actually be pretty solid and formidable. Come late February, early March, I think there'll be a chic Elite Eight pick. But overall, with what UConn is right now, I mean, they've definitely been inconsistent. Uh, They've got three losses, and they've all been close losses. The Maryland one wasn't great, but my point is, it's not like UConn is definitely a top-five team. And for Ohio State to put up the showing that it did on the road, and just to get romped by 20, that's the one, I think, you know, it's the most recent, but also the most definitive example that this team is just in a down year. And I know I'm rambling here, guys, but I haven't had a chance to write about... <laughs> I think I wrote one story in Ohio State this year, and we never talk about them on our own podcast just because they're not right. relevant. But mm-hmm. the thing is, this kind of thing um, is pretty much unavoidable at all but two or three programs, okay? It doesn't happen at Kansas because they've had self, and Kansas is actually going to break the record for most consecutive tournament appearances this season. Even Kentucky mm-hmm. has had two... It's not just that when Gillespie was there, remember Kentucky went to the NIT a couple of years ago and they got beat by Robert Morris. UNC had a really odd, bad year. Florida was way down after the back-to-back tournament titles. UCLA has obviously had some inconsistencies and they've had some successes, but over the past seven, eight years. Um, so this is unavoidable. And I, I feel like Ohio state fans won because they love football so much more than basketball. Uh, it doesn't have the same impact, but I also think that Buckeye fans are, are, Fairly reasonable and knowledgeable. I mean, I can honestly say, I'm not just saying this because I'm on your podcast, but <laughs> there are certain fan bases where you just know if you write something or if you say something, like automatic uh, backlash is going to come. And uh, to be honest, like <laughs> most writers should just be numb to that kind of stuff. It's just going to happen. But I can't really recall many instances where I've been critical of Ohio State and I felt, whether in my at mentions or in my inbox, they just, it seems like. Uh, Buckeye fans really ha- understand overall, and I don't know. I mean, I'll ask you guys. I mean, even though it's a down year, I, w- I would presume. I mean, what? Well, what's the what's the temperature of the fan base right now? So okay, so I, w- I have two things I want to say about that. Uh, first of all, that's adorable um, that you say. Okay, that so I'm because... way off because if I'm way off, then <laughs> no, no, I no, 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 you're not. It. You're not though. You're not okay. about basketball. You are 100 percent correct. Well, yeah, yeah but... I will clarify. I'm definitely 100 <laughs> percent only referring to basketball. Correct, and and that's what I think is great because. <laughs> I don't think I, I mean I could wait a hundred million years and never hear that from a football writer yeah. with regards to Ohio State. And I think what's interesting is that uh, maybe you're starting to see some of that element in basketball because Thad Mata had been so successful year in and year out, and you saw guys like just you know people would leave, you know Evan Turner would leave, Solander comes in, Solander leaves, you get in new guys, and it was just constant like refreshing of that talent. And I know that's not how that works in basketball all the time. It's really hard to maintain that. But Ohio State fans, I think, are kind of transporting some of that attitude about football and bringing it to basketball. And I think what's going to happen is is that maybe further down the road in this season, which is, I agree with you, is not going to be awesome, uh, you're going to start to see a lot of like grumbling about Thad Mata. And, and there are going to be a lot of people who I think maybe will, maybe it's time to get rid of Thad because he's not I mean, that's just right? ridiculous. I, I... <clears throat> that's just idiotic. I'm sorry. Like, yeah, if, no, that, if that comes, I'm telling you, like, cause, all right, 
and I'm sorry to cut you off here, but when when fans know, get into fine. that situation, okay, and I like there's just a certain percentage of every fan base. It's like everyone that says this state has the worst drivers. No, every state has god awful drivers. Every fan base. <laughs> You know, five to ten percent—they're just knuckleheads. Okay, it's just right. part of the general population. You're not gonna—it just is what it is. But when you move beyond that fringe, and then you've got a certain fraction uh, that is is heavier, or you know, twenty-five, thirty, forty percent of a fan base that might start clamoring for a change. Right. You need to look at the, what your program is. If you're going to get rid of the coach, there are so many factors that go into this. And then who could you replace him with, and is that a realistic replacement? And if you, if you do, uh, does the coach fit there? So overall, listen, Ohio State is three years of not making the tournament and not even contending in the Big Ten from even having that discussion, in my opinion. It is so should not even remotely be close to being on the table. The only reason why it ever could is if Mata's health came into serious question yeah. where that was deteriorating his overall just enjoyment of life in general where he felt mm -hmm. that he needed a change. Well, and i got to tell you something. Just to, sorry to interrupt, but that, no, that was ahead. actually going to be my question because for me, like, I mean, I grew up, you know, I'm, I'm from southwestern Ohio, so I actually didn't grow up. I grew up as an Ohio State football fan, but I grew up as a Cincinnati basketball fan. And, and I remember Thad Mata, you know, and when I was in high school, like taking it to Cincinnati uh, when he was still at Xavier. And I, I love that. I've loved that for a long time. He's an amazing coach, but we hear stuff on our end where, you know, he's, he's got to get help to take his shoes off after games and, and mm -hmm. just really just rough stuff like that. I mean, how physically demanding of a job, you know, with basketball that, that he can keep that up. I mean, that's kind of what I'm asking. Like, is that something that you think is, feasible long-term for him, or is, is maybe he on his last couple of years just to his health problems? I think there could be a little something to that. Actually, I, I'm randomly connected to this in that Thad Mata's drop foot ailment, uh, my father has this, is either has the same exact thing or something similar, but my huh. dad has had it basically since his late 20s because he, he played basketball in Chicago, and uh, during his senior season, one of his last games, he was actually going up to get a rebound, and he sneezed, and he really hurt his back. <laughs> Wow. Uh, and when he did that, it uh, he just he, it was brutal. It caused back problems into his 20s, and then he had to have surgeries, and then he has a nerve that they can't fix that's pinched. So his entire right leg constantly feels like it's asleep, and it's just it's, it's crazy. It's gotten to the point where he it's just been second nature for him for so so long. Uh, but he has to be very careful because my dad can roll his ankle so easily. Uh, I can't even imagine what it's like to live like that. Now Mata, I don't think it's exactly that. But it definitely is something that yes, there is a there is a certain um, rigor on the lifestyle without a doubt. I've seen Mata at recruiting events over the summer. You know, we go to these things in Georgia and Vegas where these coaches are recruiting, and he's definitely, you know, he's got a slow gait. There's no doubt about it. Um, I can't speak to how much it will affect or does affect him day-to-day -day in the here and now, I mean, it certainly can't be that comfortable. It's something that he kept, I don't know if he kept it private, but he definitely kept it out of, specifically out of public knowledge for a while until about a year and a half ago. I think Goodman was the first one that actually wrote about it because Goodman's pretty tight with that. Jeff Goodman at ESPN, who was with us at CBS prior to that. And, yeah. uh, and since then, you know, the fan base and the general public's become more aware of it. I don't know if it is anything serious enough to to 
create detriment on his ability to coach right now, but it, it definitely could. There's no doubt about that. But I don't get the sense in the here and now that that's something that's holding him back or holding the program back. Yeah, Matt, um, what I'd like to do is, is to have you sort of, uh, I mean, we're realists where it comes to Ohio State. We know that this is a down year. We know that we're just going to kind of sit back and enjoy watching these kids and seeing what they develop into from the beginning of the year to the end and uh, and then into next year. But can you sort of handicap the Big Ten race as you see it? Like, what's the uh, what's the prognosis? Do you think this is, this is Maryland? Do you think it's a Michigan State thing? I mean, who, who are the... Um, you know, who are the, the teams that are going to get those high seeds from the Big Ten? Big Ten is interesting because uh, Purdue has been better than anyone expected, um, and they're pretty solid overall. Here's how I would, if we're projecting out, so at the end of the year, here's how I think the Big Ten will, here's how I think it will be if you were to power rank it. You know, I would say it will mm-hmm. go Maryland 1, Michigan State 2, Purdue three and then draw a line and all those teams right now rightfully have final four aspirations and, and as they should. After that, it gets way interesting because let's be honest, the Big Ten is way softer than the middle than it has been in some time. I would say I'll say Indiana four because I still believe with its offensive arsenal and Kareem can coach offense, I, 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 I refuse to think that Indiana can have big success in terms of, you know, making the Elite Eight. I just, you can't play defense. And to me, it's been proven they can't play defense. Like The issues they have defensively, right. uh, to me, it's so glaring that you cannot completely retool and refix that in a season with that personnel. I just don't believe that's going to happen. But I will still have them fourth because – I think the they could be the best offensive team in the conference, so that definitely counts for something. So I'd go IU 4, Iowa 5, I guess. And Iowa, <laughs> I, you know, and you know what's funny is if, I'd, if Iowa had won convincingly at Iowa State and they hadn't completely folded, I probably would have Iowa 4. It's just right. one of those things where, like, you know, but I can't help but be human and be swayed by the fact that I saw that team just completely evaporate. And it's honestly and a big game like that. And Iowa fans mm-hmm. have seen that team do that too often. But I'd go them five. By the way, I'm well aware we have not mentioned Wisconsin. And let's just acknowledge mm-hmm. the fact that this year, it happens again this year. <laughs> it will be proven to be a witch because obviously Big Ten basketball fans know that he has never finished worse than fourth in the Big mm-hmm. Ten since he has gotten at Wisconsin, been at Wisconsin more than a decade. It's incredible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Cannot. Put them there. I'll say Wisconsin six out of deference to what Ryan has been able to achieve. But even even then, I mean, wow. And then from there, Michigan seven. Oh man, I don't even know if I can go. I can I even go Ohio That's State? That's pretty far down. I don't. Yeah. I, you know what? I, I think I got to go Northwestern eight. Ohio okay. State nine. Illinois ten. Nebraska, so, Minnesota, so, Penn State, Rutgers. Just to interrupt real quick, because that you mentioned the one team that I – this is based on my spirit animal, which is Northwestern. Uh, is there <laughs> – so is yeah, there eight months – You need to reevaluate your life if Northwestern basketball is your spirit animal. Yeah. I mean, you know, <laughs> I always kind of root for but never actually does anything of value. Um, that's kind of me. But I guess the question is, like, the eight and one start, is that mirage, and, and will they finally go dancing at all? I mean, is that going to happen? 
I don't think it's going to happen this year. And I've long held the want, I guess. So I don't want Northwestern. It'll it would be dramatic and it would be a cool moment. I don't deny it. If if they were on the bubble and they got in. Right. I want Northwestern to break the dam and not even have it be a doubt. I want them to get in as a five seed. I want them to have a bid locked up by Valentine's Day. <laughs> Don't think that's going to happen this year. Listen, they've had a very nice start, and it's been nice to see that people haven't kind of gone overboard with, with that because their schedule is just garbage. I mean, <laughs> right. the only legitimate team they've played is Carolina. And when they didn't, Carolina didn't have Page, and they lost by double digits. Um, they've barely eked past Columbia and Virginia Tech. I don't think that's this is going to be the year. No, I think they might. I think they might have a case to be on the bubble when they get there. But my forecast is by the time we get to Selection Sunday and you see all the brackets and stuff and you see projections, I think Northwestern won't even be in the first four teams out. They might be in the next four after that. Well, so you think maybe seven, seven. Big Ten teams getting the dance? Probably will be it. I mean, here's the thing. It's, it's so tough uh, to say for sure because nothing happens in a vacuum. And, mm-hmm. you know, it really is about the teams and their resumes overall. But I will say we are now entering in the final 10 days, basically, of non-conference play. And then, you know, some teams will have random non-conference games in mid to late January that will constitute, you know, the one non-con game they have left. But for the most part, uh, we're just about done uh, having wrapped up uh, out-of-conference play. And with that, you know, those results carry a lot of weight down the road because the committee looks at, okay, we know that you have to play these games in league play, but who did you actually have the stones to go out and play? Where did you play them? You know, under what circumstances? And so college basketball fans are well aware of this, but people that start paying attention after the Super Bowl ends, maybe less so, but I'm just telling you, like, things that matter, things that will help determine how we watch Sweet 16 games, because seeding has effect, you know, the data shows it, um, those things have already been decided. You know, the teams will have to win their way in, in in terms of winning more and more in league play, but I'm telling you, just outcomes that have already been happening to people that listen to this podcast that might not have been paying attention because they were too uh, too busy partying, assuming that Ohio State was going to the college football playoff. Okay, <laughs> these these outcomes have already been determined, and it's even now it should be fun and interesting to go back if you have general intrigue. Just look at the leagues, check out who's won where, and uh, you can start. You know, we can start to just see a hazy picture developing. Mm-hmm. All right, Matt. Well, you know, I know that you're probably too diplomatic to answer this question, but before you go, I definitely want to ask you just in case uh, you have an answer for us. Tom Crean or Bo Ryan, who's the most punchable? Oh my gosh. I am too I am too diplomatic to answer <laughs> that question. Um, if I had to guess on behalf of Big 10 fans, I bet you they'd say Crean. Uh, I will say that both coaches are headstrong uh, individuals uh, to their benefit, maybe to their detriment to a certain degree. Uh, they're very passionate, um, without a doubt. Uh, but, and listen, they're both, here's the thing. Crean gets a little, it's cause listen, Crean, it's because he looks the way he looks and because he acts <laughs> the way he acts and the internet exists and gifts and all this stuff and memes. Like he's just the perfect coach. I, I mean, listen, that, 
that post Big Ten loss on the Big Ten Network uh, screen cap is unfortunately <laughs> like that is going to forever be attached to him. You know, it's just one of those things that uh, whenever an Indiana moment happens, like I mean, it's it's almost reached this weird point where. Sometimes memes really have, like, they exhaust themselves, like, without a doubt. I could list, like, seven or eight. Like, the shrugging face emoticon thing, like, that's so done. It just feels so played out. But the Tom Creed one, like, it keeps going in perpetuity and doesn't seem to have any sort of expiration date. The one well, thing, careful on that well, the one thing, thing I want to say uh, about Kareen real quick. The shrug that, thing that, is brutal. I will not back off of that, okay? It's not being funny in, like, 2013. That's fair, uh, and I think Joe himself has gotten a little sick of it, to be honest, because <laughs> he kind of just does it out of obligation. It's kind of like that episode of The Simpsons where uh, Bart's the I didn't do it uh, kid, yeah. and they're all looking at him to do it after he gets a second. Like, fine. Um, here's one thing I'll say about Crean. Crean almost got uh, our beat writer at the time killed in a blizzard because he decided to wait until like one thirty in the morning to start his press conference after a loss. So I am going to go with Tom Crean every time on that. So, uh, you know, he's, what's what's interesting real quick is that um, some coaches uh, will uh, – I feel like Crane did it once at MSG. I could be misremembering it. Um, oh, definitely Travis Ford, without a doubt, made a pe- – like sometimes after a bad loss, and I don't know, you know, who knows why they just – coaches just, they don't – after a bad loss, they just don't give a crap about the media and they shouldn't necessarily, but that's just – the worst when like a game, especially if it's like a bad game and it ends right. and and the winner, obviously basketball being a winter sport and, and you got to sit like you talk to the one team has this presser. Okay. And, and that's completed within, you know, 20 minutes of the game ending and you're sitting there for like 30 minutes for the next presser. <laughs> like, and you can't go anywhere. And you're just like, I'm never getting these minutes back in my life ever. <laughs> so I, I totally understand where you're coming from in that regard. No doubt about it. Feel your pain. Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com, college hoops writer extraordinaire. Uh, how can people follow you on Twitter, Matt? Well, they can log on to Twitter or they can register at Twitter. And once you figure out how to do that, uh, my name is at Matt Norlander. And if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to squeeze in a, a plug here, by the way. So uh, we do the CBS Sports College Hoops podcast. You can feel free mm-hmm. to listen to that. We do it basically twice a week during the season with uh, Gary Parrish, our national writer, and then my colleague Sam Vecini who attended nice. Ohio State. Um, yes, indeed. Uh, you guys are no doubt well familiar with Sam's work. And then if anyone listening is into the music, I actually have an independent uh, music podcast that touches on a whole bunch of stuff. A whole bunch of stuff. Awesome. Uh, it's called Records and Riffs. So you can search for that in the iTunes store. There's only one season, but um, season two will come in, in January. And it has a mix of interviews with musicians and then interviews with people that are just really passionate and informed about certain things. So I have a Nirvana episode and Will Leach and I have a Bomani Jones episode where he talks about David Bowie. And so it's just, it's really cool, interesting stuff. So if anyone listening is well versed in that stuff, feel free to check that out. I'm just trying to get uh, more and more people to listen to it. And uh, it's a fun little side project. I'm as passionate about music as I am about college hoops, so thank you guys for indulging me with that. Yeah, that's awesome. Oh no, if you ever thank need you. a if you ever need a guest for Weird Al, no work. <laughs> no, so okay, so re- so that's the thing is one, I'm not even opposed to that kind of stuff for sure, and two, I'd love to get Weird Al on an episode. So oh yeah, that'd be amazing. Like, 
it's all it's all about timing and trying and getting that all lined up. But yes, like I, there is no genre that I won't even touch. Like I'm not a Taylor Swift fan, and one of the episodes from season one is just kind of examining, you know, Taylor Swift and her absolute rise to world domination, which might be ending <laughs> now with Adele's uh, 25 setting right. modern records for record sales. But anyway, it's a it's a cool little thing. I highly recommend it. Records and Riffs, search for it in the iTunes store. <laughs> Well, now that we've got the Tay-Tay fans all up in arms, yeah. uh, Matt, thanks so much uh, for being with us. Really appreciate you coming back on the uh, Dubcast, and we hope to have you on again uh, at some time in the future. Well, it's my, my pleasure for sure. Hopefully the season turns around for the Buckeyes, and until then, uh, enjoy it. Well, that just about does it for this week's 11 Dubcast, Johnny, and I definitely want to give a shout-out and thank Matt Norlander from CBSSports.com for stopping by and talking a little bit. Yeah, he was about. great. He was really good. Enjoy Matt's uh, Matt's takes on the Big Ten, even though he said to give us the brutal, honest truth about Ohio State. Yeah, well, that's fair. I mean, that's what we want, right? Like, that was good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I guess we asked for it. Uh, Johnny, before we get out of here, I want to know, just, you know, What's going on with you? What's up? What's uh, what's the latest? What's the latest what's the in hats, pop culture bro? for Johnny? And what have you been into this week? Uh, okay, so I I'm pretty slow on like new music developments. Like I'm pretty good at like keeping up with movies and stuff and mm-hmm. and TV shows, but I'm really slow on music for whatever reason. And I do listen to a lot of music, but I kind of listen to the same stuff, and I need to get in more into it. So I started listening to Chance the Rapper a lot. And uh, I've probably had, like, Cocoa Butter Kisses on a loop, even though, I mean, it came out several years ago, but it's it's a legit song. I very much enjoy that song. So I've been listening to Cocoa Butter Kisses over and over and over. And uh, I don't know, Michael, I think you should listen to Cocoa Butter Kisses when this, when this podcast is over, because I think you would enjoy it quite a bit. You think I would enjoy it? Do you no, I don't. Think I, I think, I think you hate it, it, but I think you should still listen to it, because it's good. <laughs> I will go to YouTube and I will find it. I will listen one time, and if I don't like it, I might not make it all the way through. But I, I will give it a chance because I'm, you know, let it not be said that I don't at least try things. Na, 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 na. It's good. Unlike my, unlike my six-year-old, right? Who's like won't try new things. So, but, so um, what are you riding on? What's, what's your pop culture dealy this week? Well, right now I have just started watching. Uh, I've gone down the rabbit hole. I'm started to watch the leftovers. Oh, okay. I heard that's pretty good. It, yeah, the HBO program, The Leftovers, which is uh, I've heard is very, very bleak and dark. And yeah. you know, a, a few years ago, I couldn't imagine watching something like that. But after, after you know, kind of binge watching and mainlining, um, you know, shows like Breaking Bad and and The Wire and you know Deadwood and and some of these other shows that I've been watching, uh, Boardwalk Empire, it's like okay, I, you know, I'll give it a shot, handle see what little, happens. Handle a little bleak. Yeah. I mean, you know, every every character that you care about on Game of Thrones gets killed, so right. you know it's <laughs> it's it's just going to be just like that. It's like okay, let's see what depressing and dark uh, corners we can we can explore next. Yeah. But I'm I'm only a couple episodes in, finding it very interesting. I'm still trying to learn, you know, sort of this world and and, and this situation, and and uh, you know, I'm I'm sure that uh, there's going to be things that I like and things that I don't like, but I'm I'm looking forward to the journey because every time I pick up a new show it's kind of uh you know there's ups and downs and sometimes i end up liking it and sometimes i don't but i usually on these types of shows that have a lot of critical acclaim i'll generally you know make it through the entire thing there's not very many times i'll bail on a show like that right yeah you know i heard i heard good things it's not really my kind of thing but 
I may have to check it out a little later. I'm, I'm still working my way through a backlog of Fargo episodes I haven't seen, so. Mm, yeah, just just watched the Fargo uh, finale last night what did you think uh, was as we good? record this. Yeah, I, 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 the the final episode was a, a, sort of a denouement. No, I guess it wasn't really. It wasn't really like, um, you know, the last couple of episodes have been just so freaking amazing that you know it had to come sort of come down. But I think it tied the the series together nicely. That you know this season together nicely That's and good. There were some really good moments in it, so you know I enjoyed it. I'm glad I watched it nice. and. Um, yeah, the the penultimate episode, that's the one where everybody's that everybody's talking about. So when you get to that point, we definitely got to have a talk about that. Oops. Well, then, then we will absolutely have to do that next time. Now. Yeah. Do you have your do you do you have your Star Wars tickets yet? No, not yet. I don't know when I'm going to yeah. see it. I I actually spoiled myself so I know like it the whole movie beat for beat basically. <laughs> um I I I swear to god I do, but um I'm still looking forward to it. You know, I, that's not one of those movies where I really care about spoilers too much. Mm-hmm. I was just curious, but I'll yeah. wait until the Fuhrer has died down a little bit, and I don't have to, you know, punch my way through a crowd just to get a, you know, a, a seat in the front row and like barely mm-hmm. watch it. So. Yeah, when you're going to the movie and nobody in the theater is addressed like the characters, then that's yeah. probably when it's safe to go. <laughs> right around that time is when I would probably purchase the ticket. Yeah. Yeah, I'm with you. I haven't got my ticket yet, but I I am watching the the originals uh, in uh, something they call machete order, and uh, that's where you that's where you watch episodes four, five, two, three, six, and you skip one completely because it's ridiculous. Huh. And um, I'm, I have to say, I've never watched it in this order before, but I'm enjoying it immensely. I've, I've still got to do Return of the Jedi before I complete it, and then then I will turn my eye toward the the new one. Yeah, I you know what I I just want an edition that is not the special edition from the mid nineties. I just want the original, actual movie. Just please, mm-hmm. just please re-release the actual movie so I can watch the movie that I loved as a kid on my dad's VHS tape. Like that's just what I want to see. I bought my DVDs years ago, and they happen to have two discs in them, and one is the original theatrical oh, release. Yeah, and. The other one is the the re-release special edition with all the extra garbage which in it. Is in, where Han, which is in the trash. Yeah, where Han doesn't shoot first and all that right. stuff. So uh, I obviously watched the original theatrical version. Good. So as you can. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that'll do it. That's that's what we're into this week, guys. So um, hopefully you were riveted by that conversation and um, let us know what you think. And uh, you know, drop us an email or a, a tweet. And, uh, you know, ask us about our, you know, our likes and dislikes or anything else that's on your mind. But we'll be back in two weeks with a big festival preview. We'll have Matt Finkus back. We'll have a special guest who uh, I'm pretty excited about. So if, if all goes well and, and we get that guest as, as scheduled, then I think everybody's going to enjoy that one. And uh, we'll be back in two weeks. And until then, I am Michael Citro. I'm Johnny Ginner. Peace, everyone. Bye.